welcome to season two. Season two, buddy. Of Dial a Drummer. <laughs> I'm Brian Stevens. I'm Shannon Corey. And can you tell I'm a little amped up about this? You look a little jacked. Man, yeah. I tell you what. If, for people on the other side of that camera, it's probably only been a couple of weeks since they've seen us. That's true. That's true. But for us... It's been a while. It's been more like a year. <laughs> <laughs> we banked the whole first season uh, within the first few months. So by Christmas, we wrapped, and we've been slowly leaking these things out, and we're trying a little bit of a new format uh, this time around. Right, right. With the calls and how we get your call. We're just trying new things, guys. Trying to take advantage of some technologies you have at your disposal. You know, and, and if nothing else, we're trying to learn. We're trying to learn how to best... Um, interact with you guys and serve you with this little show that we do above my garage absolutely and uh the hope is that for season two we're gonna do weekly or bi-weekly we don't know we're really just feeling this out in in social media training when when i went to social media elementary school how was that class by the way (laughs) they they told me to get your audience to trust you you must be there regularly well we're gonna try guys we're here you may just not see us regularly yeah exactly because we're working (laughs) but before we launch into too much of what we're doing with the show i gotta tell you we have a sponsor and it's a very important sponsor it's what keeps the lights on in this place nowadays and that's session ace est the dual driver inner monitors by this lovely company session ace that one of your hosts well one of your hosts started a little (laughs) over a year ago and now we do little shows like this uh, to tell you about these awesome ear monitors. And we're actually using the brand new ESTs. Yes, we are. That are fully branded. They got these cool logos on the side. They tell you which one's the right and the left one. And they sound even better than you uh, may remember if you've tried They sound really good. These yeah. And they're comfortable. They are comfortable. And once you get them, once you get them all kind of, you know, we're, we're playing with a brand new set. Each of us I, I got us a brand new set. For our brand new spanky new everything, new microphones, new new table, new table. We have a new table, even everything's new, everything's different. The cameras are different. (laughs) Are we in the right spot? uh, (laughs) Is this my house? Hello. (laughs) Anyway, so uh, if you'll go to if you'll go to sessionace.com. You can check out all the great information about these wonderful EST in-ear monitors. Uh, in fact, if you go there and you use the promo code dial a drummer, you're going to get 10% off nice. of your next purchase, whatever it is. If you're purchasing a hat, I paused for uh, the, the product placement. Nice, nice plug. <laughs> And uh, if you go, <laughs> uh, if you get the ESTs, if you get the new ESAs that we're uh, we're pre- doing a pre order for, any of the stuff that's there, if you enter the, the code dial a drummer when you check out, you'll get ten percent off just because you're a listener or a viewer of the show. And, get you a pair; they sound wonderful. And uh, so I'm going to put that right there, so the entire show you get to see who sponsors us. And uh, with season two. We're going to dig into some really cool stuff, and people are going to be surprised. Season two. Try to step it up a couple of levels. We're bringing out the big guns, guys. 
the big guns all season long. We're still going to do a few shows where we just talk about some stuff and we take your questions. Uh, in fact, we already have a show that's coming up that's based on one of your questions that's that you true. emailed in. And you can always email us questions, dial a drummer at gmail.com. We're on all the social networks, uh, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, however you can get to us. We're dial a drummer. Everywhere we're very easy to find. Uh, you can submit questions. You can submit show ideas. And one of our episodes for season two is based directly on something that you sent in and you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> calling you out. Yeah, calling you out. Uh, I, I tend to answer those things right away via yeah. email sure. or social media. And then I let somebody know after I've answered it, I think we're going to turn this into a show. We're going to dig deep on this one. And uh, so we've got several of those from you. Yeah, keep those uh, topics coming in and questions. We totally appreciate the input. Yeah. Oh, and make sure that you subscribe to us on YouTube because over the little break, we've gotten up to like almost 70 subscribers, which Woo-hoo! for us <laughs> is wonderful. I don't know that I, I've actually talked to 70 people in the course of any given week. We've written a lot of checks. <laughs> So uh, make sure you go over to YouTube, search for Dial a Drummer, subscribe to us there so that we can win ourselves. At 100 subscribers, we win ourselves the moniker of Dial a Drummer forever and ever on YouTube. And Subscribe. Uh, go, go, go. You can immortalize us that way. Uh, and speaking of doing awesome things, we're, like I said, we're pulling out the big guns this Absolutely. week. This is and, exciting today. And we're talking to somebody who, we've talked to some amazing guests yes, we have. in season one. I want us to go top of the top. Yep, this is top of the food chain right now, buddy. For season two. Absolutely. Now, it may all be downhill from here, <laughs> but hopefully not. Not the guest. He's talking about the show. <laughs> I'm talking about me. Focus, Brian. <laughs> Reel it back in, buddy. Come on. So, uh, so the guy that we have this week for you, this is how, this is how A-list this guy is. Where can you find him this week, Shannon? This week, he happens to be on the cover of Modern Drummer Magazine. Look at that. So our guest today is Mr. Mr. Rich Redmond. So we're pretty excited about this because you can't get top shelf higher than this guy right now. No, no, no. And it wasn't Not only is he an amazing player, but he's such an amazing guy. He's such a nice guy. Nice guy. Super nice guy. I'll give you the quick backstory on how this happened. Uh, I went up a couple of weeks ago to the Steve Jordan Drum Clinic up at Forks. Which the New Forks. Amazing. Right. And uh, and Rich was there hanging out, just out and amongst the people. And I just pulled him aside and said, hey, Rich, I'm Brian Stevens. You may recognize me from social media. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do that. You pulled the buddy, Rich. Do you know who I am? Yeah. Do you know who I am? All right. Uh, Anyways, I said, Rich, hey, look, I've got this little podcast that a buddy of mine and I do uh, in the roof above our garage. You don't have to come there. We'll call you. In fact, the name of the show is Dial a Drummer, and that's what we're going to do. It's called Mom, I Want My Meatloaf. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to hit a magic button right over here off to the side. That's part of the new New technology. The new technology of season two. There's a button right. Where's my camera? There's a button right over here, and right there on the brand new Dial a Drummer guest hotline, we've got the one and only Modern Drummer cover guy, Rich Redmond. All right. Hey, guys. How are you? Live from Nashville, Tennessee. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for being on the show today. We really appreciate it. 
Would you like to tell people what you were doing today? Oh, yeah, man. Today, is, it's kind of unbelievable. We were um, tracking the ninth Jason Aldean record in Nashville, Music City, USA, the same studio that we've been working at since 1998. And I'm kind of, we're setting up in the same spots on the floor. I'm looking at all this amazing cast of characters, all my dear friends, and we've been at each other's weddings and divorce parties and girlfriends have come and gone and wives have come and gone and hairstyles and clothing styles have come <laughs> on and people have big now and we're still like set up in these same positions and life has like life has hit us but there's been so much that has happened uh in that amount of time over the 20 years um tracking music with the same cast of characters so pretty amazing well congratulations on the ninth record that's fantastic thank you yeah and that's got to be a rare treat that you've gotten to be on all these records and that he's kept all of you guys intact that's kind of a rare for the nashville scene is it not well it's just the music business i think life in general i think uh i think life is the wild wild west and <laughs> you know no no matter no matter how nice people are everyone really kind of needs to look out for themselves and so it's really kind of rare when you find people that that can stick things out over the course of like five presidencies and sometimes you know at the expense of Oh, I don't know, personal happiness, personal health, you know, you just kind of stay together and you tough it out. And when you do that, you're able to reap the benefits um, at a higher level. And it's just, I mean, it's more meaningful. So we were able to do that. It's pretty incredible. That's fantastic. So I'm going to, Rich doesn't know this story and I've never shared this story before, but uh, sometime around 2000, I don't want to date myself too much on this, but it had to have been 2000 four or five maybe uh i had lunch with a guy that you may know rich a fellow named michael knox and uh, i was i was showing him a record i had just finished uh producing a band i was working with at the time we were having lunch at the tin roof uh right there on the monbrian and uh and he was he said yeah man i didn't bring anything for you to hear but I'm working with this new guy, this Jason Aldean guy. He's going to be the next biggest thing, not just in country music. He's going to be the next biggest thing on the entire globe. And we're doing this cool thing. It's basically like Motley Crue for country music. And the band is amazing. They're actually going to play on the records. And like he, he already had everything you know, in mind that you guys were already working on together. And, uh, and you've done that and way more at this point. I would think. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, God bless him. He had a vision, and that's what it takes, you know, to do anything of value in life. Um, you have to have a vision yourself, and and then you know hold yourself to that vision, and then you know wrap a team of people around you that you can do to bring that thing to life. So yeah, Michael believes in us, man, and it's just just like a lot of sweat and blood and tears and energy and miles and diesel fuel and you know pain and heartache and celebrations along the way. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was just a mutual admiration society and we were able to do a lot of amazing things together. There's many years that, that Michael kept the lights on for all of us, you know, like, uh, uh, he would hire us to rehearse or hire us to do other recording sessions or back up other artists that were at his publishing company. He was the vice president of Warner Chapel Music. So it's been great. You know, people, no man is an island and it really takes, um, some people to kind of open doors for you to make things happen. So it takes a village. Thank God bless him. So on that note, that plays right into what we're talking about for this episode and, and starting season two 
an overarching theme with you and all the people that we'll be talking to, all the topics we're covering, really has this theme of building your own place in the world that's unique, that is that is uniquely you. And sure. as as we've all followed your career, both inside the Aldine camp and all the other things that you're doing outside of that, you definitely have a very unique place, both in the music industry and and really in a much smaller thing we call the drum industry. Right. Sure. Yeah, the drum industry is so small. Um, you know, I I read Modern Drummer magazine since like 1978. I have every issue, and you know, when you're a young man and you're living in El Paso, Texas, and there's a lot, there's not a lot of outside influences. The only thing you could do really is read Modern Drummer magazine and and watch MTV and just fantasize about being on that big stage and how do I get in this industry? And, uh, and, uh, yeah. So, so when you actually get there, you realize, Oh my God, we all know each other. We're all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to get behind a set of drums every day and, and inspire people and inspire ourselves and pay bills. And, and then it gets more difficult. You know, the older we get, you know, we start, you know, we have debts and we, we fall in love and we have families and we have, maybe we have children and, um, it's just, you know, life gets more complicated and it gets harder to kind of make, sustain that, that lifestyle of, of, of be- beating plastic and metal with wood, you know what I mean? So it's almost like you really have to be um, hungry and tenacious and persistent to make this kind of like crazy, it's almost, it's almost uh, masochistic or, or <laughs> very foolish. Actually very foolish. It's a foolish industry to chase. You have to really like really believe in yourself and really want to do it. Well, in getting into this topic of, of creating your own unique place in the world and doing these kind of things that we do that, that require vision, that require us to, to go from where we're at to where we'd like to be, one of the main topics we're talking about today is uh, branding and identity and very quickly, just give me an idea. I know what it means to me, but what does branding really mean to you? Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I'm a pretty effortless marketer. I mean, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm a teacher. I'm a natural marketer. There's a lot of things that come naturally to me. And thank God that these skill sets um, are applicable to the music business, that they've really kind of helped me out. Um, but the idea of branding is like, okay, so so when someone says that they want to have a soda, it doesn't even matter what kind it is. Sometimes they'll, they'll take a Sprite or a root beer, but they'll just say, give me a Coke. Or someone will say, give me a Q-tip. Now, there's a million brands of Q-tips. They're ear-cleaning devices, but everyone just calls it a Q-tip. So that's branding. It's like standing apart standing uh, a, a, a from the pack and being shining so brightly that people cannot ignore you. Coca-Cola is just that magical elixir and their, and their product is so consistent the world round and their marketing has been so incredible, whether it be Barry Manilow writing jingles for them or polar bears drinking it or, you know, someone throwing a towel, a star, you know, that is right on point, but it doesn't really make sense. It gets thrown a lot around a lot. And some people are really, they like to focus on that before they're ready to even focus on that. Really, what you have to do is you have to have an incredible product. And in the music business, that product is your musicianship and you. So the product is you. 
And before you're even going to let have someone uh, hire you to be a great musician and show your musical talent, they have to buy into you as a human being, and they have to trust that you're a trustworthy person, that you're going to show up on time, that you're going to exceed expectations and be able to take direction from people and have, be consistently positive and you dress the part and you just, you know, are a good person to be around because 23 hours a day you're either writing on a... If I can count up all the hours and days and weeks of my life that I spent at, in backstage areas or in vans or in airports or in, in hotel lobbies, it's like just... It's years of my life, and so thank God, for the most part, I've spent, you know, my um, 21 years of touring with, with likable people, and that's what you want to be, is you want to be likable, and then when you're likable, um, people will want to be around you, and they'll be attracted to you, and they'll be willing to hire you, and that's when the door gets, gets kicked open, and that's your chance to either make it or blow it, and you blow it by being unprepared, by being drunk, by being unprofessional, um, and being basically being unprepared, but if that door gets kicked open and you and you're an incredible musician, then then that word that word will get around pretty quickly, and people will start to call you, and that's how you cultivate a reputation. And the reputation, our reputation precedes us, and it's the result of us continually doing great things day after day after day after day, and it doesn't happen overnight. Um, I just talked to a young man who wanted some, some life coaching, and he said, I just moved to Nashville, and I'm working at a coffee shop, and I'm 23 years old, and I'm 23 years old, and I just moved here with my wife, and I'm trying to figure out the music business. I said, are you ready? I'm going to give you the keys to the castle in 10 minutes. I mean, here we go. Um, you, you've got to, if your musicianship, being an incredible musician is an expectation. It's all the other stuff that so many people aren't willing to do. The consistency, the professionalism, the um, the patience, you know, realizing that it's a marathon and not a sprint, and and then just the preparation day after day after day, and the late hours, and maybe playing for free for many years, and people just they're in a rush, especially the millennials. They, you know, the millennials are moving to Nashville. Millennials, basically anybody up to the cutoff age of thirty-five, that's an old millennial, but. They're coming here, and they don't want to do the auditions. They don't want to play for free. They don't want to play for tips down on Lower Broadway. They find that it's beneath them. Man, I played every gig you could possibly imagine, and I'm so happy that I did it because it gave me thick skin. It gave me experience. It made me the man and the musician that I am today, and I think that if you really want to do this, you say yes to everything. Saying no is a luxury, and it's a luxury that I didn't really even um, consider until I or was allowed to have into my 40s. You know, um, you know, being Chad Smith or being the drummer in U2 or being Stuart Copeland, being one of these guys that are in a band, that's the exception to the rule. The rest of us are blue collar. Right. We have to go, we have to go work. Um, so it's a willingness to work and a commitment to excellence over a long period of time is what's going to get you there. Well, that gets me right into a question that we had come in from social media yesterday from a guy named Mike in Vermont. And Mike is thinking about making the, the leap from Vermont to either Nashville or L.A. or New York. And his question was, how do I know that I'm ready to make that leap? We're talking about working. We're talking about getting out there and branding yourself and, and really hanging a shingle out as being – he, he doesn't even know if he's ready. How would somebody like Mike know that he's ready? 
is Mike one of the best drummers in his city? Because if he hasn't become the king cat daddy of small town America, probably not ready. Because if you can't become one of the best drummers in Vermont, you're definitely not going to become one of the best drummers in Music City. So it's kind of like you have to do a checklist of your skill sets. And this, this is also not the rules. I mean, I tell people, they say, how do you hold a drumstick? I say, well, Gad does it this way. Steve Smith does it this way. The guy in the picture wearing a tuxedo on the cover of Syncopation wearing, it does it that. I do it this way. So really, there's no really right or wrong way to hold a drumstick. But I can tell you what has worked for a million classically trained musicians. Right. I can show you that. So what, I, what I just say is, like, look at all. You might not need all these skill sets, but they sure have worked for me. I know my rudiments. I have rudimental chops. Um, I also have classical chops. I've played, studied all the orchestral instruments. I studied jazz. Without knowing a little bit about jazz music, that's, all, that's how we have the drum set. The drum set was born from our American art form called jazz. Even if you don't want to be a jazz drummer, you better be able to play the jazz ride cymbal pattern and be able to freely play some things in your left hand against it. And then what about being in a, a wedding drummer? Wedding drummers get a bad rep. Wedding drummers are some of the most incredible musicians on the planet because they have to play music from 1917 to Iggy Azalea right. and everything between. That's incredible. Or you, you could do what I had to do on my gig this past weekend where I had to play four bars of different songs all in a row for five solid minutes. So imagine changing every four bars. I had a reading gig that this was part of the, sh- the show. They literally, for a five-minute song, change songs every four bars, different song, different tempo, different feel. That'd be uh, and, and an hour-long rehearsal before we actually did the show. So, Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, some drummers are they're not going to be able to do that because not only can, not, can they not string those things together with an hour-long rehearsal, they don't know what a cha-cha-cha is or a partito alto or a samba or a bossa nova or the difference between 2-3 clave, 3-2 clave, rumba clave, song clave. They can't play any double bass. They don't play brushes. It's like they don't know how to do a train beat. They can't play a Motown beat. They don't know what disco is. I mean, come on, kids. Yeah. Like, this is the stuff. You know, it's, it's, you've got to know this stuff, and you have to fall in love with music. So, so the rudiments, the reading, the coordination, the styles, being able to play with the click track, knowing some things about percussion, these things are all going to serve you well and make you more marketable. Do you know how to program drum loops? And do you know how to do stems on Ableton Live? Can you sing background vocals? Like, this stuff is going to give you the cutting edge. And then you need to move to a New York, L.A., and Nashville. And people say all the time, what's the difference between those markets? I'll give it to you in a nutshell. New York, it's, you're going to be living outside the city um, and coming in every day, or you're going to be leaving, living in a very small place with a shared bathroom down the hall like a rat in Brooklyn or Manhattan, and you're going to be moving your drums around in the cold on a subway or a taxi. Not sexy, but it's, it's the greatest city in the world. You're going to learn a lot of great things about playing different kinds of music there. So there's that. There's not a whole lot of recording music scene going on. You can get a Broadway show or you play weddings and bar mitzvahs. That's New York. I hate to oversimplify it, but that's kind of where it is now. And then Los Angeles, you spend all day in your car. It's beautiful and the sun is shining, but it takes forever to get anywhere. So, um, so you kind of live in your car and it's very, very expensive. But the sun is shining and there's a lot of beautiful women. And so there's that. And then you get Nashville, which is they call Music City. And a lot of people are coming here because... Live music is still working. Country music is putting people's butts into sold-out arenas. There's still session work, and you can buy a house with dirt 
and put your kids in a basic, kind of a basically a good school system still. And there's a community here of people that lift each other up and champion each other like no other place I've been. So it's got to be kind of one of those three places. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all, they all have their own personality. So I tell kids graduating from high school, from college with their music degree, I say, book a Southwest flight, crash with some friends, stay for one week in each of those cities and see which one of those cities speaks to you. Because not only do you have to, 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 to work in those cities, you have to live in those cities. You have to try to be a happy person in those cities. And if you don't like snow, you're not going to like New York City. You know, if you don't like traffic, you're not going to like Los Angeles. That's a great point, though. That's a great idea to go to each city and see what the vibe is like. That's that's pretty genius, actually. So the more skills you have, the better, you know. And then you, you don't want to fall on your face and make mistakes in a city like Nashville. I feel like you have to come to a city like Nashville, New York, or Los Angeles and be prepared. Because when you're making those mistakes, the world is watching. Right. You really have to be pretty good, pretty ready to just go, here I am, you know, and then still it could take five years to, to quit your day job. Right. Well, let me throw a hypothetical at you then. Let's say um, someone on the other side of this camera or these microphones is there in Nashville or they're in New York or they're in LA and they're that guy. They've, they've got plenty of gigs, uh, but they're doing these kind of workman, workaday, blue-collar gigs where, yeah, one day you're playing with a jazz quartet, the next day you're playing with a country band, the next day you're doing the wedding band thing. Um, their calendar's full of all that stuff, and they've got this reputation for, for being able to handle any kind of gig. How do they get from that point if they've sort of maxed out there where you're trying to sound like everybody and everything else into a, a position where you're more of an artist. You play things your way and people want you to have, they want you because of your sound. Your style. They don't want you just to be the drummer du jour. Yeah, that's a tough one. You can do that by being a blue collar musician for, to pay your bills and then always having a side project. Mm-hmm. Or you could just, you could be like a Chad Smith and like quit MI after one semester and join the Chili Peppers and it's like do or die. It's like we're going to make it no matter what. <laughs> you know, it's it's tough because there's only so much time on earth. So the problem with being in a band is you're only good as your weakest link. And so if one of the guys in the band is strung out on heroin or one guy is like irresponsible or one guy's not a very good musician or one guy just got married and his wife got gets knocked up right away. It's like the whole thing comes down. You're only as strong as your weakest link. Right. But when you're a work-for-hire guy, you're the only person that's running your life is you. And and so both of those things are, they have ups and downs. You Like, look it worked, look at Greg Bissonnette. So he, to me, is the, is, the, is the highest type prototype of a guy that can handle everything. But he took that from just not playing, you know, coffee houses and steak houses and little jingles. It's like, no, he moved to L.A., he, he was playing on the Mike Douglas show. He played with Maynard. Then he got a big rock gig and showed the world he can do that. Then he did Satriani. And then it was like, oh, I'm going to play on this Santana Grammy Award winning record. And oh, by the way, I'm going to play drums on all the Born Supremacy movies and play drums on Friends. And, and like that, that's being a workman at the highest level. But you can't do that in Des Moines, Iowa. Right. Like you can be a workman on the highest level in New York and Los Angeles. Not even really Nashville, right? Because we don't have as many like wedding, corporate, jingly, film, TV type things. We have 
you're playing country or Christian or rock records, or you're touring country Christian or rock records, and then there's little cute little gigs around town that you can do to satisfy your soul or just make extra cash. Um, but you know, you know, musicians in you know the Far East, in in, in China, in Thailand, and Korean pop stars they pick up musicians in Los Angeles. So you could be playing for somebody you don't even speak the language. It's just an international city. So, you know, as, as much as I love Nashville and it's, um, it's been great to me, there is a ceiling on the type of music you can play in Nashville. So, oh, it's really tough. I think having an artistic voice is a luxury and you either, you either create it by being a bulldog stubborn, hard-nosed person that won't quit until they're given the opportunity to do that, or... Zag Danziger. <laughs> yeah, or you create opportunities. Um, God, you just, you're a good person, and you play really good, and you pray at night, and then you hopefully uh, some opportunities come to you, like a Jason Aldean, where it's like, I can pretty much play my voice. Um, but that voice is a result of the 20 years in the trend. Was that the first gig that you really got to, you feel like you really got to do you? Yeah, because, well, I'm saying my first gig in town, I had like, I was with, you know, my first salary job in town was a girl named Pam Tillis. And she had 20 top 10 singles and she really liked me. And she liked how I, you know, could play with a click or not a click. And I could play really soft or really loud and I could play percussion. So I could have probably stayed with Pam forever. We had a good working relationship. And then when I joined my band Rushlow, you know, we had a record deal and the producer really liked me and I actually kind of got to play the way I wanted to play on that record. So really I've been kind of playing the way I want to play since like 2003. So I'm pretty lucky. So 1997 to 2003, I tried to sound like, you know, if you take Eddie Bears and Lonnie Wilson and Chad Cromwell and Shannon Forrest and Greg uh, Greg Morrow and all my all my heroes, you put them in a blender. Um, I was trying to sound like them, but then it came out sounding like me. And and I did that homework. And any of those guys that see me will know that I did my homework because I I played with a million people around town where they were Eddie, Lonnie, Chad, Greg played on their records, right. and I tried sound like them and then from just time in the trenches you start to sound like yourself right right i think time is the the, the ingredient you know it's like without time and a commitment to the craft no matter how long it takes you won't be given the opportunity to sound like yourself so some of us are 46 years old still trying to figure out how to sound like ourselves (laughs) (laughs) i'm i'm point i'm pointing at myself (laughs) probably do sound like yourself right but maybe it's not on a you know a national level where you can hear yourself on the radio every single hour and that's okay because what we have to do as drummers we have to define what our version of success is and so very early on i i wrote down on a piece of paper what my version of success was success my goal was that i wanted to hear myself on the radio i wanted to tour the world on somebody else's dime and i wasn't going to stop until i found those things and that and that and that goal is a subcategory of my purpose in life and my purpose in life i found pretty early on which is and i wrote that down and that is to affect people in a positive way and change lives and i can do that by 
just showing up and being a drummer and being the best drummer I could possibly be. I could also do it through education and other various forms of entertainment. And I, and I feel like all these things kind of cross pollinate. Um, a lot of people can't fathom doing all the different things that I do, but I just, I love it because I'm not putting all my eggs in one basket. See when in today's world, if you just have one revenue stream in one basket, you're really in trouble because think, look at Napster, like changed everything. Like I, I met a film director um, last week in New York City who hired me to be an actor. My first television credit I got on, on Monday, and I'm having a conversation. He goes, he goes yeah, I've, I've, I've written scripts for and directed all these films. I got out of the music business when Napster happened. I said, wait a minute. You had the foresight and, and the vision to say this is going to kill the music industry? And he said, absolutely, because he's a guitar player. I left the music business when that happened because I realized there was – it was going to be an uphill battle to make any money at all. And so he got into an, another creative industry where he could express himself in a creative way that pays gobs of money. Sure. And now that he's so successful, he's about my age, he's like, I'm going to play guitar. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but yeah, like these massive changes will come in our industry and you have to figure out ways to like jib and jab and, and like uh, move and evolve and change like really quickly. Um, so yeah, it's it's not for the faint of heart, you know. If you want to do it, if there's people out there and your definition of success is keep your Monday through Friday day job, have a cool, awesome family life, and then play every Friday Saturday night with the best band in town, it's not a bad life. No, it's just different. Yeah, I mean, I did that. You know, I, I didn't have the family part. I tried being married two times, um, and I, you know, I was a good husband, and then I would play on Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights in Dallas, Texas, and mm-hmm. I just, I had stars in my eyes. I just realized really what I wanted to do, and sometimes you just can't have everything. If you're so focused on achieving a goal that is so incredibly hard to to nurture and achieve, other things in your life have to take the back seat and for me it was like both my marriages (laughs) i was reading a book the other day eric clapton was talking about the first time he went in rehab you know he was in his 50s maybe and uh it's where he found out that he'd never made a bed before in his entire life wow he had traded (laughs) he traded the ability to do these very mundane tasks that we all take for granted to be one of the greatest guitar players to ever live. So what are besides two marriages? And I'm 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 the uh I'm the graduate of of one <laughs> and and I'm working on my second one. Good. What are some things what are some things that you feel like you've had to give up to get to the level that you're at? Yeah, the normality. Like I, I just don't I don't even know if no, families in this in this time work like this anymore. But like coming up for me, I had incredible parents and awesome brothers, and we were a very tight family unit. And we would, you know, we would break bread at five five thirty six o'clock every night. We would talk about each other's day, and I would go off and I would do my homework, and my dad would watch TV, and and it was like very normal. And now everyone there's two incomes, and the kids have so many activities, and everybody's glued to their phone, and. And it's just, I don't know if that happens anymore, you know, but like, I definitely haven't had that in decades. And I mean, it's, uh, you know, the month of October, I would think I was in 20 states. And so you're living on airplanes and 
And the only real normal thing I have in my life is going to Starbucks and getting an iced coffee because I know that if I, if I get that iced coffee, it's going to be the same in South Korea, Bahrain, Des Moines, Iowa, Canada. And, and it's like the only normal thing that kind of like is the glue of my day is like, hey, can you take me to get an iced coffee? You know, because I'm going to be sleeping in some weird bed or something like that. So the weird, the days that I do come home, like the first thing I did today in my little condo here off of Music Row was make my bed because I watched this motivational speech from this ex-military guy that said the one, the first thing you could do to have control over your life in your day is to make your bed because if you make your bed, you've already achieved something before you've even poured a cup of coffee and it creates a tidal wave of positivity for your day. So I enjoyed the hell out of that today, just making my bed. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Just finding little things that you can do to sort of ground yourself and give yourself some idea of structure in your life. That's great advice. Yeah, man. Get, you know, the things that, that the things that over the long haul can shape us and change us are these habitual things like, you know, your diet and your exercise and your frame of mind. Because those things could, you can control those things um, it takes some effort and planning, but you can control those things no matter what kind of travel schedule you have, you know? And, and for me, sometimes I have to choose between exercise or sleep. And if you have that choice, go with sleep because sometimes uh, I, I only get three hours and then I'm trying to get some shut eye on the Southwest flight. And then sometimes I can get nine hours and it's like, get it. If you can get your sleep, get your sleep because it's so important in just everything you're, you know, you're, your frame of mind and the, your body chemistry. And I mean, we're, let's face it, we're doing a very, very physical job. Let's drop back a second. I want to get, get into this, uh, this period of your life before you're the cover cover guy on modern drummer magazine. It'd be easy for people to look at you right now. That sounds hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, by the way. Thank you guys so much. I, mean, I, I think the only those guys did that is because, I, I, I wrote so many articles and I've been in so many ads. They're like, oh, just give him a little bit. <laughs> give of this guy a bone. <laughs> he, they, they, they were doing you solid. It, no. Yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. Totally deserved, though. Yeah, totally Absolutely. deserved, dude. My mom loves it, man. So let's let's go back. It, it would be easy now for people to look at where you're at now and go, well, yeah, it makes totally total sense that he'd have his own stick and he'd have his own videos and he have his own. Let's go back to that 2003, 2004. Were you thinking then at that point, you know, one day I'd like to have my own stick. I'd like to do my own practice pad. I've got a great idea for a video. Were you already thinking about those things way back then? Um, the signature stick, I didn't think would ever happen. That's that, that, you know, all these kind of cool products and, and all these kind of things are are the result of me being an entrepreneur and a business-minded person, but they really grew out of just cultivating really, you know, awesome, sincere relationships. The only reason I have a signature stick is because of Marco Scully, you know, who was with um, Promark um, for a while, and then, of course, Dick Berth for a long time before that, but he was just a dear friend, and he's like, hey, man, you know, you, you kind of have the ears of a lot of these guys that are wanting to play this country country rock music that's on the radio so let's design something that that makes sense for you and and he gave me great advice he goes let's not design you know the 
you know, the, the pink Cadillac of a drumstick. Let's, let's, let's design a Big Mac. So, like, it's, very, it's a very workhorse stick. The only thing that's really different is it's got a forward balance, um, and it's got a more abrupt taper, so you can kind of shank away on the shank. And, and we said, let's make it black, and let's put this active grip on it. So, so it's never going to sell the amount of sticks that a, Mar- a Mike Portnoy stick is going to sell or a Buddy Rich stick is going to sell or a Neil Peart stick is going to sell. But like most things I do in my life, the people that use it are are rabid fans, and it's the only stick that they use, and they'll use it for the rest of their life. So you got a practice pad now, right? Oh yeah, the the crash pad is from Pro Logic's Percussion. It's like a little Jewish deli cookie. It's like there's one half is like soft, one half is loud, and the backside is like super super loud. So so you can use the soft side if you're in your dressing room with your bandmates, and you don't want to make them angry. And then I have this cool beater from DW I designed. It's got it's a two-in-one beater called the Black Sheep. There's like a super, super soft legato thing you could put on there and then a really super, super hard side. And then my fundamentals for drumming book, if there's any teachers out there that are teaching young children, you know, we want to hook young kids young. We want to get them involved in the drumming game and, and keep them for life. So, uh, so it's, it's kind of a fun book. You, you know, probably the best place to order it is maybe like on Amazon, uh, Fundamentals of Drumming. That kind of feeds into the idea of of, uh, of branding because check this out if you can if you can have a hundred thousand people that that follow you that like what you do that are fans of what you do and any aspect of what you do you literally can always work for yourself for the rest of your life you'll never have to clock in and work in a cubicle because even if you just sell those hundred thousand people a one ninety nine cent product per year you are making $100,000 a year. Yeah. And that's a, nice, that's a nice, comfortable lifestyle. You can drive a, you can lease an Audi. You can buy Chuck Taylors whenever you want. You can go <laughs> eat sushi. It's good stuff. So, um, so no, I, you know, I'm a teacher, so I knew I would always would write articles, and I knew I would always write books, and I would, you know, my friend Vic Salazar, who's basically the backbone of the Chicago music scene and former owner of Vic's Drum Shop, um, just a, you know, a dear friend, he was the one when I think I hit my, I think I hit my 43rd birthday and he said, uh, man, it's time for you to create a legacy for yourself and just capture all your thoughts on drumming and just put it out there and let it be kind of like your little gift. You know, I don't have children. So it's kind of like my gift to the universe to say, look at, I've endured all this I've learned all these things the hard way mm-hmm. and I want to, you could have them like take it. Like, this is how I, this is how I think you can apply rudiments to the drum set. This is why I think it's so important to use the left foot. You know, when you're playing a groove, this is how many ways you can dress up these five beats. These are the styles. I think you need to know. I think you need to be able to play with a click track. Here's how you set up your cue box in the studio. This is how you get a gig. This is how you keep a gig. This is how you write a phrase chart. Um, like, just important stuff. And so it's all there at um, drumminginthemodernworld.com. And, and, you know, I, for me personally, like, I don't ever want to do anything, you know, half. You know, I basically want to go all the way. So I basically treated it like a, a feature film, man. I, you know, I, 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 I got a robotic jib operator and a, and a five-man camera crew. And I rented an amazing studio that Johnny Cash recorded at. And, and we, we recorded through an, uh, an iconic SSL board, and I fed my, my crew over five days, and I had a wardrobe person, I had a full-time crew. Like, we did it right, and it's like, that'll be around forever. So I'm, gr- I'm glad I did it. Um, 
it's not as popular as like say a Mike Johnson kind of Mike's lessons kind of thing, but God bless Mike. He's an amazing player and he puts all his effort into marketing that site. Whereas to me, you know, I have like 22 probably little revenue streams. I don't have the focus to like put all my attention into something like that. But if you're looking to kind of like steal from me and pick my brain and figure out how to like come to Nashville and make a dent, it's probably a good thing to maybe, you know, invest in. Yeah. I mean, drumming is, you know, after 42 years of drumming, you know, today in the studio with Al Dean, you know, we were given charts, there's a BPM, there's a loop. You, you, you just know the time in the trenches, how to bring a song to life and what your producer is going to like, what the artist is going to like, what, what I need to play to support the band, what's going to work on radio, what, what body of fills that I can choose from that are radio friendly. You just kind of become, you know, I've heard Kenny Aronoff talk about this. He says, I'm not the greatest drummer in the world, but I have so many thousands of hours of experience in working these muscles that I, I know what to do to execute the job and, and, and get smiles on people's faces and then create that repeat business because all businesses run on repeat business. So, so for me, I don't have to prepare to go in and do a recording session unless it's some kind of like crazy double bass thing. And, it, and, if, and no one's going to call me to do the crazy double bass thing. And if they do, I'm going to call my friend Thomas Lack. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So it's, we're in these lanes. Like I'm in this lane where, I'm, where I get the, I, I'm, call, I'm called for these certain things. But now I'm pushing myself because now we're not doing 225 shows a year with Jason Aldean. We're doing 50 shows a year. So, so I have a new band um, with, with Billy Sheen on bass called The Fell, and it's a modern rock band, and we're going to tour in South America and Europe and Japan, and my picture's going to be on the T-shirts, and we're gonna, it's, gonna, it's a whole new other side of my personality that'll be really, really fun to do. And then next year, I'm going to put out a no-singer-in-sight, like, huge solo fusion record, kind of like... A Weckle thing, but it's probably more like a this and that thing, so it's kind of like more approachable fusion. You'll be able to like clap your hands to it and stuff, but I'm going to do that. And so, so I think that if you continue to push yourself and surprise people, that's how you stay relevant. And then the other things that come, as long as I get, say, my friend Mark Shulman calls me and says, Rich, I'm booked with Pink, I'm in Australia, um, this company called me, and I can't do my this awesome speech in Mexico City. Can you cover me? I'm like, no problem. And then I, you know, I call the, the company in Mexico City, and there's a language barrier, and they're saying, like, what is your thing about it? I was like, well, it's the same as Mark's. You know, I play drums, and it's a team-building thing, and there's this awesome motivational takeaway, and they watch the video, and they go, great. Can you talk about this, 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 this in your speech? And I go, no problem. And then I prep my speech, and then I go to Mexico City. Well, as somebody who, who wears a lot of hats like that and has a lot of different income streams that are all related in some way related to music and, and drums and stuff like that. How do you find the time needed to give each one of those income streams the, the time that it needs to make sure that it continues to flow? So it's basically as these other opportunities come up, it's just you, you just do the work that you have to do to, to prepare yourself for those things. Like somebody hires me to do, um, to MC a charity event or a corporate retreat. Um, I know that I'm very comfortable with a microphone in my hand. So I like picking out my outfit. That's really fun. And then I got to, and I got to pack appropriately. Where, where are we going? Punta Cana, Las Vegas. 
and then I talk to the host and I say, you know, what's the schedule? Um, what, what things do you want me to talk about? What products do you want me to promote? So it's all about just being professional and being overly prepared. And for me, it's, I, my business plan is, is basically using hustle as a business model and using over preparation as a business model. Cause like when I, when I almost moved to Nashville, I was coming here to do auditions. I was flying in from Dallas, Texas and doing auditions with Trisha Yearwood and Dina Carter and Barbara Mandrell and all these iconic people. Um, I only had to learn five songs for those auditions, but I literally went out and I bought their entire catalog. Like I charted everything. I over prepared because what if I was the only drummer that wrote out a chart for one of their these B sides and they just felt like playing a B side. Like, Hey, do you know such and such and such from the eighth track on my second record? And you're the only drummer that knew it. You probably get the gig. That's a good point. Yeah. That goes to being super prepared. And I, something you said earlier makes a lot of sense too, is the hunger, you know, really what the time and effort you want to put into something is where the results will come from. So how did you go? How did you go from, of course, all the drumming. How did you parlay that into getting into the motivational speaking or that whole different side of things? How did that come about? You know, all of these things blossom have blossomed from basically my drumming. I knew that I started doing drum clinics, um, I don't know, 15 years ago, and I literally told myself I was going to be a clinician, so I went out. On, and I would, I would be calling people on a moving bus, going on my flip cell phone, flip cell phone, calling college music professors, high school band directors, Sam Ash music stores, guitar centers, mom and pop music stores. Hey, my name's Rich Redman. I'm going to be in town. I'm, I'm, I'm the opening act for Dirk Bentley, and we're playing Friday night. And um, I would love to come do a, um, you know, uh, a free drum clinic for your students. Um, I, only, I only need a drum set. And, of, you know, it's free. And they're like, well, what are your qualifications? Like, well, you know, I play drums in the one o'clock lab band in our Texas. I have a master's degree. I play all styles. And like, well, really? And you play in a country band? Yeah. And then, and then I would do this. And then I would film it. And I would take pictures. And I would get testimonials. And so you're basically just growing your business. You start a Facebook page. And you open a Twitter page. And then you, you tell people what you're doing. And you ask for help in growing your business. Now, some people just aren't willing to ask for help. When I want to do something, the first thing I do is send up the flare. And I ask everybody I know, do you know anyone that can help me do this? Hmm. <laughs> and then, and I graciously will take the help. And then usually when someone helps me, they have a bottle of scotch in their P.O. box or they have cigars in their P.O. box or they have Starbucks cards. You know, I, I respect people's time and talent and I will... I'm a people person, and if someone helps me, I'll remember that for the rest of my life. The only reason I'm really in Nashville is because when I was 26 years old and starting to feel kind of old, all of my friends had already moved to New York and L.A., and I was still kicking around Dallas. I asked the saxophone player, man, you know anybody that's looking for a drummer regionally or nationally? And he said, yeah, there's this girl named Trisha Yearwood in, Na in Nashville. Get your demo tape to this guy. And just be because I asked that question... It opened up a door, sure. Changed my life, you know. So anything you want to do is going to take effort. It's anything you want to do that's worth anything is going to be on the other side of fear. I tell everyone, look at 
when you want to do something, you have to jump into the pool. The deep end of the pool, there's sharks, there's blood. You jump in. Right. You jump in. I mean, people for four years have thought I've been an incredibly foolish person by studying acting, but I don't study acting at the strip mall in Smyrna, Tennessee. <laughs> I study acting in Hollywood. Right. And every time you go to an acting class, there's a flight, there's a rental car, there's the class, there's it's the most expensive acting class, which which makes it my skin is in the game. And here we go, four years later and thousands of dollars spent. I booked a role on a, on, a, on a television show. I get my first television credit. Then you get that first credit, and that allows you to open more doors because people go, oh, you're legit. You worked on such and such a show. It's just like drumming. It's like all these businesses are just like, the, like drumming in the music business. It's like you have to prove yourself somehow. You get that one credit and shake that right hand, and that leads to more credits and more handshakes. But you've got to somehow get that one credit, and that comes from being an incredible musician, being a likable person, and being politely persistent. I like that. Politely persistent. That's very well said right there. Yeah, if you can do that and not be a germ and not be annoying and not be the person that's like the, oh, it's a fine line. Yeah, because it comes down to, you know, really it's like 80% hang and the music is 20%. It's really how well you get along. And if people want to call you back and be around you. Sure. But that music, when you, when you're playing that music, it better be incredible. Absolutely. This lets me get into another one of our social media questions. And I'm going to, I'm going to change this guy's question a little bit because I, I think I know where he's going with this. Um, Wendell Holmes Jr. Had sent in something via Instagram and his question was, ask Rich how you become one of the first call guys in Nashville for tours. I'm, I'm going to change that question a little bit. And this one's going to hopefully speak to a lot of the people that listen or watch that have built uh, a salient career. Once you get to a point where you're working pretty solid, you've made a name for yourself, you've got some of those credits that you can – um, that you can trade on, Whatever. yeah. That that you people know this guy can do the thing. What is it that gets you from, we'll say that B level to that A level? That's really what Wendell's asking. That's what. What's up, Wendell? Wendell's cool, man. I met him uh, out in Vegas, I think, two years ago. He's kicking around town, man. He's playing a lot of people. He's doing the work. He's got chops for days, groove. Um, you know, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. If he, if he doesn't quit, that's the whole thing is that you can't quit. You just got to commit to the process, no matter how long it takes. Um, and I think he'll do that. Um, but as far as like a first call, the funny thing is, is that my God, I, sometimes I don't consider myself a first call session drummer. There's probably other guys that work more. My buddies like Nick Buddha and near Z and Greg Morrow and Chad Cromwell like they, they like hanging in town, you know what I mean? And they got families. So they make it a point to make sure that every producer in town knows about them. And they, they do the hang so they can do the in town thing. But then Greg will still go out and like play with Amy Grant and go out with like Joe bon- Bonamassa. So it's like, you almost have to, if you want a good revenue stream, you kind of almost got to work both markets because the slot of the studio work has kind of dried up. There's not as much. So like, 
um, for me, thank God, my business model was to always do both. I, I don't think I was forward thinking. I think I just was stubborn. I said, I'm going to be a session drummer and I'm going to be a live drummer. Because what I've learned is that when someone sees you play live and they see you lock with a click and they see you drive a band and they see that you have good tone um, and good energy, they'll hire you on a record. And then when people see you on a record and they see that you have amazing energy and that you're sweating in the studio, they go, oh, my God, this guy might probably be great for my live job. Those things cross-pollinate. That's how it's worked for me. That's how it's worked for kind of all of my heroes, the you know, the John Robinsons, the Kennys, the Jeff Ricaros, they always played live and always played in the studio. So I didn't kind of want to paint myself in the corner. So I think keep yourself open to both of those things and see which one blossoms. So I do more live work and more clinics than I do sessions. And to tell you the truth, a lot of the sessions, I think a lot of the listeners would be very surprised and perhaps appalled at what it pays it's not enough to really have a mortgage. I mean, you really, you really, uh, you'd have to be waiting by the phone quite a bit and, and most likely be supplementing your, your session drumming diet with like production songwriting and maybe even another real, uh, revenue stream like real estate or it's, it's a kind of a cruel reality just because of the way the music business has changed. But 20 years ago when Paul and Eddie and, and, and Paul Lyme and Eddie Bears, like they were doing three sessions a day, triple scale. So they were going home with triple scale. They're going with about almost a thousand dollars every three hours. So they're making about three grand a day, six days a week. So they were crushing it. And then, and then then things changed. So I think it's for somebody like Wendell, I think it's really good for, you know, him to just to be in the game long term, be patient, have a smile on his face embrace his talent, grow his network, and see which one of these things blossoms for him, you know. There's no discounting time. And and I think whether we're talking about someone who's 21 that thinks that because they've been doing this for two or three years, they should have made it by now, or someone who's much older, maybe in their 30s or even in their 40s, you can't discount time. Some things only get worked out with time. Yeah. And the more connections that you make, the more friends that you make, the more work that you do, the more that you prove yourself in all these variety of ways, eventually somebody's going to hand you an opportunity that you couldn't have maybe farmed for yourself. Yeah, man. In 1999, my career record was I played around Nashville with 27 different bands. And all 27 bands... I've bit the dust, and most of the people in those bands have quit the music business. So you have to have really thick skin and be be. A, I'm like a musical cockroach, man. It's like <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going away. Like, right. like, like a lot of people never like some people that didn't take me seriously twenty years ago. Just from the sweat of my brow and being consistent and not going away, I'm on speed dial for them now. So, so it's a really weird thing, man. You know, you just have to be so tenacious and so grounded and maybe have a faith and a, a higher power and be able to do the work and, and just stay in the game. And that's kind of what 
that's the thing, man, is staying in the game. Like you said, is, is to not quit. You know, stay committed to the, the cause, if you will. I liked what you said, too, about don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, that's a, that's a great point. I think a lot of people get in their own headspace too much and think they can do it all themselves, and that's a great, great point for people to listen to. Well, thank you, guys. This is, uh, this is so fun. I, I mean, I'm in my second time this evening kind of like trying to dispel a little, you know, a little wisdom. The funny thing about wisdom is you just don't get it. You can't have it as a young man. It's a cruel joke. It takes... It takes at least 20 years to get some wisdom and to like, what would I do differently? You know what? I think I have peace of mind that I can look in the mirror and say, I'm a man of my word. I showed up. I did the work. I didn't burn bridges. I didn't create success at the expense of other people. Uh, I love what I do. And man, thank God it happened. Definitely. Let's close with one, with one question that uh, while we're on this wisdom, motivation kind of tip, with all the things that you've accomplished at this point, I mean, you if your list was to hear yourself on the radio and see yourself on television and travel the world on somebody else's dime, I think you got all of that those things done. Uh, most people, when they get a list like that accomplished, they're either going to slow down or they're going to stop. That's most people, but not not you. Well, or, or the worst, take it for granted. Oh yeah. I mean, that's one thing I that's one thing I respect about what you're saying and reading the article in the magazine was you're just full of energy, man. The enthusiasm is infectious for sure. So what motivates you to uh, keep setting goals and having new dreams and, and beating your alarm clock up every morning to start on new stuff? Yeah, thank you, guys. It's a, it's a really great question. I think it's like a bone you have. Like, you can read a lot of self-help books and motivational books and listen to Joe Olstein and go to a Tony Robbins convention. It's, you know, sometimes that is great, and you're inspired for, like, 72 hours, but then it doesn't stick. So I, there's just kind of like this bone of being like this, uh, this type A person that I am. Thank God. You know, my parents taught me by example. They were, like, super hard workers, like, my mother went to school and became a nurse and she worked as a nurse right up to 71 years of age. And she's just newly retired and she's a cancer survivor. And one year after beating cancer, she ran the New York city marathon. And my dad is, was on a submarine in the Loch Ness in the, in the Navy when I was born. And he came back ashore and went to school nights for six years to become an accountant and grew, went to the top of his field and, they supported me, you know, in many ways, but they just taught me by example, you know, and I always had a paper out and I always shoveled snow and I always raked leaves and I was, I was a young entrepreneur. So I don't know if you can teach that. It's a very strange thing. It's almost like a thing you have or you don't have, but gratitude is something that can take you through life and can propel you through various chapters of your life. I'm, I'm so grateful that I have my health that I have my friends, that I have my family, and I've been able to, to, like, I don't know, enjoy some of these little trappings of life that I never had. Like, I always drove a horrible plastic car my entire life, and I finally, at, like, 46-year-old, treat myself to, like, a little German car. And it's like, you know, it's just little things. Like, wow. And, and my friends had to drag me kicking and screaming to the dealership to do something like that for myself. But... <laughs> I, but I think um, 
um, you know, for me, I want to keep doing everything I'm doing on a, the highest level. And so just to be completely transparent, I'm going to put it out in the world so everybody knows and then they can hold me accountable. But I want to write a hit song in the United States. I, I have three number one songs in Australia because there's a group called the Wolf Brothers that champion me and they, they cut a lot of my songs and they're amazing. Thank you guys. But I want to have a, I want to have a number one song in the United States as a writer and then um, I, I want to be producing like the next Taylor Swift's because I have a partner named Mike Krampus and he's an amazing guitar player. He toured with uh, Nelly Furtado and um, Smash Mouth and Elton John. He's awesome. So we have a company called 1225 Entertainment and we just had our new record label funded. It's called 1225 Centerman Label Group. And so we're going to be signing amazing artists. So we want to like be putting new amazing artists out there as, as producers and label owners. And um, my, my new motivational book is coming out, and I'm going to self-publish, but eventually like a New York Times Wall Street Journal bestseller, I'd like to do that. I want to have my fusion record come out. I want my modern rock band, The Fell, to be touring in Jason Aldean's off-season um, and doing well in, in foreign markets because we don't get to tour foreign markets with Aldean. We do the 48 states. So it'd be great to do Europe um, and then, you know, Pan-Asia and South America. So that'll be fun. And then as an actor, I would like to be doing more on this Wild West that we call TV, which is the new um, silver screen. TV is the new silver screen. There's 550 scripted television shows that are being shot right now. 300 of them are being done in Atlanta. <laughs> we have to drive through it all the time. <laughs> yes. So I want, I want to get my mug on, on, on those a little bit more consistent, con- consistently. And then I would like to be an international um, speaker, you know, like be speaking more in foreign markets where there's a translator and all that. Like I did one in, I did one of those in Mexico city this year. It was incredible. Like, I had a thousand um, native uh, Mexicans, and they all had headphones on. So as I was giving my speech, they were the the speech was being translated, and all my jokes were landing, and it was like it was really satisfying. It was uh, it was really funny. So can I do all those things? Well, I think so. God, I mean, we 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 navigated the national we the national music business, which is so hard. So I think all those things, God willing, having my health. Um, I can focus on for the next 20 years. And, you know, I was in, I was in a, a tragedy a year ago and, you know, and, and I, it made me rethink things. I, I know that I have more work to do on this planet. And, and so I'm, we're going to do it. We're going to, if we can do all these things and affect people in a positive way, especially young people, I don't have any children. So, so I love teaching, you know, um, and, and, and affecting those kids and letting them know that they can do whatever they want to do. That's fantastic. And we'll have to do a part two when you get at least three of any one of those things done. That's right. You can tell us how you did it. Yeah, man. Because <laughs> you're going to get there. I, I mean, it, we're all pretty confident that whatever you set your mind to, you're going to get to do. Absolutely. And it's motivating me, man. I need to go back and look at my to-do list. I think, I think I'm slacking a little bit. Uh, you know, I tell you what, look at, look at our buddy Tom Knight. You know, he's got a, those golden pipes, man. And he's, yep. he's, He's cultivated this whole other business for himself, and he's so good at it. Yes. And, but he, he's already, like, you know, you want to hate him because he's such an amazing drummer, such an amazing teacher, and he's ripped. It's like, you know. Yeah, he's one of those guys that no matter what he does, 
he goes to the next level with it. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, his level of commitment to anything he sets his mind to is, is pretty impressive. God bless him. You know, I, and I want to come to Atlanta. I literally haven't done any clinics. In it. Well, I've done the Atlanta Drum Collective, but I'd love to come to the Atlanta Collective, the Atlanta School of Music. I'd love to stop by there and talk to the kids. We've got to get you in town for that, for sure. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely have to, we'll have to put our heads together and see what we can uh, come up with to get you down here and doing some stuff. There's... Definitely a, a lot of a lot of potential for for that for sure. Well, I think what you guys are doing is is incredible, and you know, thanks for uh, putting this good energy out into the drumming community. And I hope all the listeners had a great time. And I'm super easy to keep in touch with. Um, it's just my name on all the socials, and yeah. And if anybody has questions that they ever want to ask me, just follow me on Instagram, Rich Redman, and I'll always answer you same day. If you kind of want to know more about what I do, you can just go to richredman.com. And if you want to know more about Nashville and Surviving Nashville, and you know you can go to drummingintheModernWorld.com. But this has been great. It's been a real pleasure having you, man. Thank you so much for being on. Really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you, guys. All right, thanks, Rich. Boop. And with that, Rich Redmond's back off, y'all. He's back off doing it wherever in the world he is right this moment. That was a good talk. Doing what he does. And that's the great thing about season two with Dial a Drummer is uh, we got the magic box now. And so at any point in time, you're never going to know who's going to show up on this show via the magic box. <laughs> the magic box. I like it. Uh, before we get out of here, I have to, uh, well, number one, I have to thank Rich Redmond. Go Absolutely. Ho- hold up the magazine. Absolutely. Let's pimp the magazine. Look at that. If you have not bought a copy, make sure you run out and get a physical copy. He is on the cover. It's a good read, so don't miss out. Great read. It's it's great. A uh, lot of great information. Uh, more of Rich's backstory. Uh, just there's a ton of great stuff in there. And uh, yeah, yeah. Even if you get, uh, I will say this. Even if you subscribe to it on your iPad, go out and buy an extra copy at the newsstand. It's one of those you'll want to uh, to get your hands on this one. And and actually, just like when you were 16 years old. When I was 16 years old. I went to the bookstore and they had the modern drummers there. And it was like, I read the thing cover to cover before I even paid for it. And then I paid for it and took it home and read it again. <laughs> and, read it again right. and I read it again and again. And again. This is one of those, those uh, issues that you'll want to do that for, for just a little while, be 16 years old again, go buy yourself a copy. And of, for those that grew up in the iPad era, this is called a magazine. It's pretty cool. It has got, pages, it's got pa- and it's pictures made out of paper and articles. <laughs> It's a uh, PSA. And uh, while we're pimping stuff, make sure that you go to uh, sessionace.com and uh, take a look at the uh, the EST dual driver in-ear monitors. Uh, if you use the promo code dial a drummer you'll be able to get 10 percent off your next purchase for these uh i will tell you right now this is the best sounding ear monitor that you could possibly buy under 500 dollars. i would agree with that uh i've bought everything that exists under 500 dollars. he has quite the collection <laughs> and had i not paid good hard-earned money for him i'd give them away because this dwarfs anything you'll put in your ears. So uh, thanks to my own company, Session Ace, for sponsoring our little show. And uh, we want to thank you guys. Uh, welcome to Season 2. It's only going to get bigger. It's going to get more fun. We're going to be goofier. We're going to talk to more people. And uh, we're going to come at least every other week. So that means that uh, Season 2 will have at least 25 episodes in it. 
Beautiful. There you go. Uh, Nagate, make a ruckus, and uh, we'll see you again when we see you. See you next time. Later.